Saint Joan of Arc once said, in God's name, let us go on bravely. Welcome to the 76th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want everyone to remember that reaching out for help shows strength, not weakness. It shows bravery not cowardice, and it shows God working in our lives, not that we have been abandoned by him. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, I received a message with a question that I think a lot of us have asked ourselves. I'm looking for the right words to say, to family friends of ours who just lost their 22-year-old daughter in a horrific car crash. She was killed instantly, a beautiful young woman. They are not people of deep faith. So before I share some thoughts, let's stop what we're doing and pray for this young woman, that her soul may be in heaven and that her family and friends may be consoled by the grace and peace of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. This is such a heartbreaking situation. And as someone who has experienced the death of a child, let me just say, there's nothing like it. Nothing that brings you to the depths of despair. Nothing that shatters your heart and your hope that you could ever feel joy again. While joy does eventually return, it's forever different, forever lacking. And I think it's good for all of us looking for something to say uh, to those walking through this dark, unfair, and awful experience to consider what it would be like to live through it as well. A lot of people told my wife and I, I couldn't imagine what you're going through right now. And while this was meant to be a nice way to recognize the gravity of the situation, it wasn't actually true. We can imagine what others must be going through. We're just usually terrified to imagine it. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. It's the last thing we want to do. But if we want to be brave enough to start there, we'll be on the right path of being able to find the right thing to say. Even well-meaning words like, you have a saint in heaven now, God never gives you more than you can handle, or anything that starts with the phrase, at least, can easily lead to a further hardening of our already bitter hearts, rather than comforting it. So what can be said? You know, at my son's funeral, our priest expressed it better than I could have ever. He said, I spent the night before this funeral trying to think of the reason something like this would happen. And I came up with nothing. And so I started to think of something I could say that would lessen this family's pain, even by the smallest of measures. And again, I came up with nothing. There's no magic formula, no perfect observation, no precise words that can ease the pain of someone suffering something so profound. Instead, our answer comes from a word we use so frequently that we've forgotten its meaning, condolence. Father Damien Ferenc, an amazing priest from Cleveland, uh, he shared with me once that the Latin roots of this frequently tossed around word of sympathy uh, are con, meaning with, and the suffix, the Latin doler, which means to grieve or to suffer. And so there you have it. 
The perfect comment to lessen someone's pain doesn't exist, but being willing to suffer alongside that person is always the best option. For those who are experiencing the worst moments of their lives, condolence, condolence is exactly what they need. Someone who's willing to sit with us in our uncomfortable space through the tears, through the anger and the hopelessness. We need someone who doesn't succumb to the urge to fix everything, the wish to make us happy or a pretense that everything is okay. We need someone to suffer with us, to offer their true condolences, to say, I'm here. And remember, it's also okay to say, I wish I knew what to say, or I don't have the right words, but I'm here to listen. It makes all the difference in the world. On to the next topic, is there a connection between personalized nutrition and mental health? A new study published in Nutrients will get us started. The researchers conducted an online survey of food intake, dietary practices, and other lifestyle factors in four subpopulations, women, men, younger adults, and older adults. For over five years, over 2,600 participants were tracked in this study, and the team found dietary and lifestyle contributors to mental distress in each of the groups. For women, it was found that daily breakfast, moderate to high exercise frequency, low caffeine, and abstinence from fast food improved mental health. For men, frequent exercise, moderate daily, uh, moderate dairy consumption, uh, and the same approach to caffeine and fast food helped. High meat intake was also noted as a positive. The final findings of the study suggest that the consumption of a nutrient-dense diet is critical to promote mental well-being for everyone. So, I mean, yes, of course, eating healthy and getting exercise helps us to strengthen our mental and emotional well-being. But let's not just stop there because it's important to note that for some of us, a healthy diet and an exercise routine will not be the solution to our mental health symptoms. Some of us need therapy. Some of us need medication. Some of us need a variety of other interventions to stay on the path to wellness and take care of ourselves. And it's always important to take a holistic approach to getting better and not just a assume that eating right will solve everything. It can help, but it's so important to hear that sometimes we need more and that's okay. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request. And today I'm going to introduce you to Saint Alex Leclerc. Born in 1576 into a wealthy family in the Holy Roman Empire, Alex, which is the local form of Alice for those playing at home, loved music and dancing as a girl and spent most of her evenings partying with friends. Her family moved away from home when she was 18, and three years after that move, she became suddenly so ill that she was confined to her bed. As things would play out, the only thing available to her to read during this time was a devotional book, and she spent her recuperating life reading up and coming to the conclusion that she needed to change her life. She went to her local pastor to share her feelings, but when she came away unsatisfied from the conversations, she met someone else who would step in and give her life direction, Our Lady. Mary appeared to her and set her off on a life of caring for the daughters of the poor of the region she lived in, who had no access to education. She was joined by four friends who eventually established a community based on simplicity, prayer, and respecting the presence of God in each girl they instructed. Alex eventually became uh, the founder of a congregation based on the work they were doing. She took on the religious name Teresa of Jesus. 
She died in 1622, and I just wanted to hold her up as another incredible example of someone who, in many ways, is just like us, searching, looking for God, and not knowing where to find Him. But it's her openness to whatever God had in store for her that I pray I can come to imitate, because that's what led her to this incredible life-giving life that we're still talking about today. And I pray all of us can try to imitate Alex in our in our lives moving forward. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. St. Alex Leclerc, help us to be faithful to our mission to proclaim the good news despite uncertainty and challenges posed by this time in our history. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Anonymous gets us started. What can I do for my severely depressed 18-year-old who says she sees no purpose in her existence and can't find a reason why she should even exist and what her purpose in life is? She's currently going to weekly therapy and started an antidepressant two weeks ago, but no effect yet. Let's start by joining in prayer for this 18-year-old that the Blessed Mother may intercede to bring God's grace, peace, and hope into their hearts and to give the words and encouragement needed for loved ones to help in the best possible manner. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. First off, what a blessing that you're thinking about how to help and how to be there for your 18-year-old and that your 18-year-old has been in therapy. It's such a great witness to all of us to be open and caring toward those we love who are suffering. This is indeed a hard situation. It's so hard to want to help our loved ones, especially our children, when we don't know what to do, what to say, or when we start to discover that they've been really struggling with some intense, hopeless thoughts. A couple of items off the top. Sometimes it can take more time for an antidepressant medication to kick in. That being said, it's super important as the advocate for your 18-year-old to stay on top of the doctors prescribing the medication to ensure that they're paying attention to the dosage and the plan for treatment. Sometimes people stay stuck on a low dose that isn't going to be enough for them, or they stay stuck on a medication that isn't doing anything for them because their doctors don't stay on top of things. And this is where an advocate can really make all the difference in the world. Something powerful that can be a big help is to share your own story. Let your 18-year-old know about times in the past where you felt hopeless or lost or depressed and how joy eventually came back. Like sharing how you've been through it uh, and, and how you know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, even though it feels so dark at times. Oftentimes we, you know, defer to sharing things like God has a plan for you or your life has meaning. Uh, and these general themes, while true, don't seem to have the same impact as saying something like, you know, there was a time where I felt so depressed. I, I wanted to fall asleep and just never wake up again. It got that bad. And yet it got better. I had to take it one day at a time, but eventually joy returned and things got better. That kind of sharing, especially with adding in specifics to the situation, can help our loved ones to know that they aren't alone and to allow you to carry the hope for them when all hope seems lost. 
A different anonymous is up next. Our mental illnesses are tied to our bodies and our behavior. My question is, how do we handle mortal sin? If I'm having an episode of mania and just say and do things that are horrible, can some things be discounted? Like, can any sin be excused if it's caused by a part of my body that I can't control, like my brain? Thank you so much for this question. It's such an important one when it comes to integrating our mental health and our spiritual life. So let's start by praying for Anonymous and all of us who walk through a life where our mental health leads us to make choices without the full consent of our will, for peace, for strength, to reach out for help, and for consolation from our loving God. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. First, just the fact that you're thinking about this, about your spiritual life, about sin and virtue and all the rest, I think that shows such a beautiful presence of God in your life. It's wonderful to see. Okay, so it's vital to remember that there are three conditions for us to be fully culpable for mortal sin. The first is that the action must concern grave matter. The second is that we know it's a mortal sin and we do it anyway. And the third The most important one as it relates to this question is that we have full consent of our will when engaging in the action. When we're experiencing symptoms related to a mental illness, our symptoms can lead to us making choices to say or do things that we wouldn't say or do if we were not experiencing those symptoms. An episode of Mania, as you referenced it, is a perfect example of this. Uh, I'll let helpguide.org give us a basic explanation of what a manic episode is like for those listening. In the manic phase of bipolar disorder, it's common to experience feelings of heightened energy, creativity, and euphoria. If you're experiencing a manic episode, you may talk a mile a minute, sleep very little, and be hyperactive. You may also feel like you're all-powerful, invincible, or destined for greatness. But while mania feels good at first, it has a tendency to spiral out of control. You may behave recklessly during a manic episode, gambling away your savings, engaging in inappropriate sexual activity, or making foolish business investments as examples. You may also become angry, irritable, aggressive, picking fights, lashing out when others don't go along with your plans, and blaming anyone who criticizes your behavior. Some people even become delusional or start hearing voices. So, uh, this is me again, you can see how this experience in particular leads us to make decisions and engage in behaviors that we otherwise wouldn't, which is the big tip-off that we are not operating with the full consent of our will. Of course, knowing this doesn't mean that we're free from guilt or worry or anxiety uh, over the actions we engage in. It's natural to still experience all of those feelings, even though we intellectually realize we weren't in complete control of our actions. So reaching out to a therapist to help us work through all of this, while working with a psychiatrist on the medication that can help us maintain peace in our lives, Uh, is a crucial approach to wellness. And if there's a priest you can trust with a discussion like this, it might be a good idea to bring this up outside of confession to explore the best approach from the spiritual side of things. Hang in there. Kara wraps us up. Can a Catholic practice I rest nidra? My therapist wants to incorporate uh, this in sessions, but I'm getting mixed messages online about if a Catholic can. I always love questions like these because it gives me a chance to look things up that I don't know a lot about and then apply them to the faith. And uh, I don't know, I'm just kind of a nerd or whatever, but it's something I really enjoy. Let's start by praying for Kara and for everyone searching for a therapeutic approach that will bring 
bring us peace and consolation while also staying in line with our faith and ideas about who we are as a person. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Definitions are always helpful. So Irest Nidra, I hope I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly, is an integrative restoration approach to yoga that was developed by Richard Miller to help wounded soldiers in a great deal of pain. He's a big deal in the West when it comes to yoga. As Wikipedia points out, Miller is responsible for bringing the practice to a remarkable variety of non-traditional settings, which include military bases, veterans clinics, homeless shelters, etc. The Irest protocol was used with soldiers returning from Iraq and Afghanistan who were suffering from PTSD. A little bit more. Yoga Nidra or yogic sleep is a state of consciousness between waking and sleeping like the going to sleep stage typically induced by a guided meditation. There is evidence that Yoga Nidra helps relieve stress and as mentioned it has been used in helping soldiers recover from PTSD. Now can a practicing Catholic participate in this kind of treatment? First, the fact that you're even thinking about this shows that you are serious about your faith and serious about following our Lord and his church, and that's huge. Second, as with yoga in general, there are things that we can take and use to help us and things that we probably should leave behind because they may conflict with our faith. While most aspects of IRS Nidra are probably nothing more than helping us to get into a comfortable state where we can do some great anxiety work, there may be things related to other levels of consciousness or other deities or putting ourselves at the center of the universe and quasi-worshipping ourselves, and all of that would have to be left behind. As always, it comes down to knowing yourself and what you're comfortable with. If you think this will be helpful for you, explain to your therapist the importance of your faith and participating in a way that doesn't encroach on your faith. And if you feel like it sounds a little wonky or it would make you too nervous because you'd be worried about it encroaching on the faith, tell your therapist you'd rather pass. You are the best expert on yourself. God bless. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves, take care of yourselves, and if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry, I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Demphna.